Welcome to part two of our episode series with Todd Sloan. This is the second of the two episodes where we're talking to Todd about how he got involved in property and renovation and of course going into a special case study as well. Uh, Obviously, if you haven't heard of Todd, he's the host of the Pizza and Property podcast, a published author with Australia's Home Buying Guide, and I hope you enjoy the second part of our series today. Here's Todd again. Todd Sloan, welcome back for part two of our special on renovating. Thanks for coming back. Excellent. Part two, my favourite part. Part two, yeah. We had a little delay between these two recordings, so we'll have to kind of refresh on what we've covered. But we talked about the types of properties that you kind of look at where you know you're going to be able to add some value. We talk about you finding the stinkiest house in the least stinkiest street. I don't know if that was a direct quote, but it was, yeah, it, it, it was, was on it. It smells right. the more I'm interested. There you go. <laughs> there you go. So I wanted to try kind of zero in on some of the specifics of it because when you're renovating, of course, your job is to create as much value as possible. You want the highest possible resale or reval or rental appraisal or whatever it is. But some of the things that you can control costs. I mean, that's the main thing, right? So how do you get some of these results on a bit of a shoestring budget? Because I'm assuming like as long as it doesn't look cheap and nasty, the cheaper you can do it for a good quality look, the more profit you're going to make. Yeah, absolutely. And and that's exactly what you want to do. It's, it's almost like this kind of fun playtime sort of thing. Like you jump onto like a Pinterest or Instagram or wherever you want to look at like some nice before and afters and potentially even just the afters who cares about the before and just look at it and think like, how could I potentially recreate that more cost effectively? Like if you've got a look like a, a wainscoting look, I know that there's, I've never actually done this, but there's like a, a hack that you can do with skirting boards. So you actually just get like a, a normal sort of skirting board that not, not the tiny cheap one that's like one inch high, but, mm. but not your, your beautiful kind of like 12 inch skirting. You get one that's maybe more like two inch. Yeah. And then you, you end up getting a bead of quad and then running that around. So it's not quad, but it's, it's similar to a quad that is then two inches above it. But then paint that, the wall and the skirting board beneath all the same color. Right. So it then looks like you've got this beautiful six inch skirting board. Does that, that make sense? I, I need yeah, to see no. the picture. Actually, I'm not often describing this right. This, this is not a great medium for <laughs> explaining this kind of intricate uh, escutcheon work. But no, I, I know what you mean because like this is that kind of thing. Like if you were to sort of say to someone, well, like when you walk into a room, what tells you that this is a high standard of finish or that it's quality, right? Like often it is little things like the architraves and the skirtings. It's, it's that little kind of filigree work where you know you mm-hmm. kind of think there's money in that yeah and i think the other thing is a lot of the time i truly believe people can't tell the difference between the 50 dollar item and the 100 dollar item and and when i mean by that, like take like carpet for example 100 percent they can tell the 15 dollar a square meter stuff right mm. everyone can that looks like rubbish you put that in your boat sort of stuff but but the stuff that maybe is, is still good quality. It's still going to last. It's, it's still going to look really nice versus getting carried away and then paying $70, $100 a square meter. Even if you are in a nicer area, people might say that they can tell, but I can almost guarantee you put side-by-side samples of a lot of these things when you pull a renovation apart, that the kind of paint you use, the kind of carpet you use, kind of fixtures, fittings, they can't really tell the same way mm. unless there is actually a brand. Like how often do you walk through your house and see a brand name? You, just, yeah. you don't. Skirting by Calvin Klein. Yeah. <laughs> 
Actually, Ooh, look at that. That's Torbman's. You can tell by the watermark. That's expensive. Yeah. That's Oh, that's Dulux wash and wear. Paint's a good example, right? Because like the difference between cheap and expensive paint when you're kind of just doing a reno to maybe sell, of course, if it's tenanted, you kind of want them to be able to clean it. But is, is paint mm-hmm. a good example where it's kind of like paint is paint at the end of the day? Does it stick on or not? Y- yes, but and no. And this is where like I don't I don't want to come across as the guy that just cheaps out on everything because I actually did used to do that. I, I remember doing that with some ceiling paint from Bunnings with six liters for 20 bucks. I was like, oh, how can you go wrong? But it was basically just like someone had filled up the thing with water and then put some Aquadir in it. It was just the thinnest, most rubbish paint I'd ever seen. And I had to end up doing, I think, just genuine like four or five coats on the ceiling where I should have just done like two with, with yeah. like a normal quality ceiling coat. My time that I wasted on that, to me, it, it wasn't worth it. Mm. So you, you've got to sort of do that that little balance with it. But I've never actually really cheaped out with paint, but that's also because I've made some good relationships with people that, that are in paint stores and, and that give us like great deals because we buy so much of it as well. Yeah. And even if you're not buying heaps of it, build relationships with people at Bunnings. Like there's, yeah, one guy in particular, Regan. And Regan's an absolute champ. And he's just the kind of guy, like he, he never does stuff that he's not supposed to. It's not like, oh yeah, I'll just give you that $700 thing for, for $200. But it's like, if something's coming up, it's about to get chucked in the, the center. Or if he knows of something to go, oh, actually, you know what? If you do it this, this, and this way, we give it to you a bit cheaper. Yep. Like, that's so valuable. And so last time I was there, like I walked in with a coffee and a Danish for him because it was just like, thank you. Like you, you help me out. Anything I can do to help out, I'm happy. That is good. And people in retail aren't used to getting a Danish, right? No. <laughs> They're I pretty... remember working at KFC and getting a tip once of $5. The only time I've ever was tipped. My little mind was blown. Yeah, wow. It, was, it, it doesn't happen. So when someone does do something nice for you in that kind of job, I can tell you, you are bloody remembered. Yeah, exactly. And and that Danish could pay for itself a hundred times over. So you mentioned Pinterest. Like I'm not an interior design. Like I could look at something and go, that looks pretty good. But if somebody said like, build something for me that looks nice, I'd be like, I, I don't know. Are, are you a bit like that? Or do you just intuitively know what is going to look good and, and suit area and the property? I think I'm very much like know a little bit about a lot, not a lot about a little. And you got to coordinate the people that know a lot about a little when, when you're in this business. Well, yeah from my take at least so i'll actually like get a, a stylist and i'm quite happy to pay them at the very start of a renovation to say look this is my budget this is my time frame and this is what i'm trying to achieve what do you think and just get them to to go like yeah heart, hearts galore hearts galore hearts content God, <laughs> this is going to be an episode with a lot of misquotes mike i'm sorry but That's <laughs> just right. to say say whatever they want to say and then you're going to have to wind them back okay so don't don't be afraid to say hey that's a great idea mr or mrs stylist but unfortunately we don't have seventy thousand dollars for this one yeah. we've only got forty thousand or ten thousand or whatever your budget is yeah so yep. always continuously work with them don't let them walk off and think that they've just done a wonderful job and you're thinking jesus i can't afford anything that they've just said mm. if you can say that this is what we're really doing how can we and this is a really powerful question is how can we get that same kind of look but for this price yep. more than likely they're going to say oh you can't you go, yeah but you know just if we had to what, yeah. what could we maybe do be a little bit cheeky and play with it and and they might give you another option that's maybe not that 10 out of 10 that they were showing you but maybe it's an 8 out of 10 or a 7 out of 10 so it still looks really good but maybe it's a tenth of the price that's the kind of stuff you really want to look for i often think that say architects that build say i don't know that they design a duplex just must be like chronically depressed because you know you you look at the degree and they they, they look at all these sort of masterpieces of architecture they they study frank 
St. Lloyd Wright and they look at, you know, the Ian Thorpe Swim Centre or the Opera House and then they're like, okay, what can I design for you? What future can I create for you? And, the, and you're like, oh, I want like three villas and a driveway. And they're like, oh my God. Is that the same sort of thing for like interior designers? Like they want something that they can share on their social media. They want to spend big money. They want to build something beautiful. Is it a similar sort of idea? I would say so. So yeah, I'd say that if you're in an entry level area, a blue collar area, you're probably just going to be more the bread and butter to them. Mm. Okay. Like it's, it's a bit different. You're not going to be that job that they've dreamt of their entire life. Yeah. Uh, but if you're remodeling a property in Barangaroo, well then yeah, they, yeah. they are going to want to work with you. <laughs> yeah. It's a left field one, I know. Um, so when it comes to sort of deciding the type of expenditure and the type of look how much does the area that the property lives in kind of dictate what you're trying to do are are you plugging into local property managers to say like what would kind of really bring the extra couple of bucks of rent or sales agents to say like you know at what point should I hit the market with quality of finish yeah 100% and and you also want to be clear as well whether you're renting it or whether you're selling it at the end because those are two different renovations Mm -hmm. so both in kind of the finishes, but also what you're doing. So I don't quite often get a property manager in because I don't flip properties. I'll, I'll keep it once I, I renovate it and then yep. rent it out. And so like, what are they really looking for? And because I remember this with a, a property before and it was basically, we could either have dishwasher or pantry because we had these pretty big space or small space restrictions when we're remodeling the kitchen. Yep. And she was the one that ended up saying, look, at the end of the day, a dishwasher would be really good and you should probably have one. But if there's nowhere for them to physically put their food, they can always do the dishes in the sink. But mm. you can't not put the food away so let's go to the pantry instead whereas i probably actually would have gone the dishwasher i would have looked at that and thought no i really want to have a dishwasher 21st century blah blah blah, that kind of stuff Mm. that's where it is really good to to talk to a property manager and just get a bit of a better understanding but as far as the that hitting i suppose the the expectation of the area it's really really important but you want to hit it you don't want to exceed it because if you exceed it you leave money on the table like if you walk into a room mike and and it's a house that you're buying let's say it's a kitchen and you've just got pretty pretty reasonable taste you're like yeah i just i like wooden countertops and i like a white kitchen and i don't really care about the appliances all that kind of stuff great and if mike's your buyer fantastic if that's what you've done but if mike's your buyer and you've just spent thirty thousand dollars on marble bench tops and and top of the line smeg appliances and everything else and mike doesn't give a crap about that and you're in an area that doesn't really justify it, well then, yeah, Mike will still buy your house, but he's not paying that extra that you've probably just put into that kitchen. But then on the flip side to that, if that is the expectation and Mike only loves the finest of white marble bench tops and smeg coffee makers in his kitchen. Based on the true story. That, you've, you've got to do that. So it's, it's always hitting the expectation, not falling below and not going above. The Give for Growth Property Investing Podcast is presented by our business, MCG Quantity Surveyors. If you're an investor or a property professional looking to get the best tax depreciation deductions for yourself or your clients, please get in touch with us at mcgqs.com.au. It's our mission to help as many property investors as we can to maximize their claims and maximize their property education as well. 
I uh, I come from country uh, New South Wales, so unless it's got corrugated iron on it, I'm out. There's no <laughs> smeg for me, mate. Actually, I do have smeg appliances, but that's just an unhappy uh, coincidence. They're actually I, I, awful. Tell me about it. I actually had a smeg oven. I remember it was a silly thing. You had to grill with the door open, but then when you grilled with the door open, the heat got to the top of the oven and melted the control panel. <laughs> I had to buy a new control panel. I just kind of thought, you know, like it renovated the kitchen and I thought, you know, like Fisher and Park will actually looked better and it seemed better, but I'm like, you know, Smeg, it's Italian, you know, like what else is Italian? Ferraris, you know, like spaghetti. I don't even know if that's true, but I thought, you know, that's that's, that's that X, fa- X factor, right? Pizza? There you go. That's, yeah, pizza. that's a plug yeah, for your show. Pizza and Property. <laughs> Check it out now. It's a way better podcast than this one. I keep saying it, but people keep listening to mine. I don't know why. Um, let's talk about, um, let's talk about, let's zero in on actually what you just said. You want to meet the expectation, but you don't want to go over. Now, everyone talks about overcapitalizing, but we were talking off here about, um, you know, a bit of a mantra of our business is under promise and over deliver. Like, is there some part of you that you wants people to go like, wow, like, is the expectation kind of over delivering? Like, is that what you're trying to meet is like people go into a property with high expectations and you want to hit them, but you don't want to go silly because that's just eating your profit? Yeah, exactly. And and you want to look for, for cost effective wows. Like one of the most cost effective wows you can do, or it's like an emotional pull. And this is probably more the sales side. Like I've never actually done a fire pit on anything I've renovated because mm-hmm. like I said, I keep them and I don't think a fire pit on a rental is probably the smartest move you could make. <laughs> So, yeah. but if, if you're selling it, we've done this with clients like so many times before and they're getting ready for sale because it costs you hardly anything. You're digging a bloody hole in the ground mm. and, and you're getting some stones. Like you can do it for under a thousand dollars, but you can paint a lot of the time this really pretty picture and, and start painting that, that kind of fantasy of spending nights out here with friends, family, toasting marshmallows, having glasses of wine, all that kind of stuff. Mm. That creates a wow. Well, like if you've got a, a swimming pool and you want to create a wow, talk about putting an outdoor projector in there over the pool, call it a dive-in movies instead of the drive-in movies like you, you can do that so cheaply like again probably around a thousand two thousand dollars you're gonna have outdoor speakers as well but holy crap is your property gonna stand out you mm. got a projector over the pool like those are the kinds of things that you want to look at the wow is absolutely important but don't get the wow from something that costs so much money, yeah, especially yeah. if you're in the top end as well, because someone might like it, but unless your buyer likes it, who cares? Yeah, that's an interesting point. And then those are two super wow things, right? Like already, like as soon as you said that, I'm like, I've been living life wrong. I need to dive in movies. I, I need a fire pit. I've, you know, I've got a, a tree stump that I've been burning away patiently, but it doesn't have the ambiance, you know, of the stone and the proper fire pit. We talked a little bit before about the renovation being different if it's a if it's a property that you're going to sell or you're going to rent. Now, the dishwasher pantry example is an interesting one because when people are looking for a property for rent, it's not there necessarily their forever whereas people are looking at buying like it might be there forever or at least they're not thinking like oh in 12 months we'll probably bugger off and buy something else so well let's look at like you you said you're holding them so so can you think of an example of where because you are holding it you would do it in a certain way compared to say if you were wanting to sell it like with rentals are you looking at things that have a little bit better longevity rather than instant wow factor that could probably be smashed within five seconds definitely so that's part of it is you want something that's got a good sort of wear and tear 
tear sort of value to it. And the other is something that's maybe just, it's not even a, not an intentional wear and tear, um, but just like uh, pendant lights. Like if I wasn't keeping the unit that I just did, we, we talked about this, we would have put pendant lights over the top of the, what's it called? The island oh, in the middle yeah. because they would, they would look amazing. But having hanging pendant lights, I've got no idea if someone's going to rent that with a cat and a cat's going to think that's the funnest thing to play with and hang off of. Yeah. Or, or if a kid's going to think that's amazing, let's just start smashing these around. Yeah. Little things like that. But the other things, things like if you're selling a property, I put a built-in and this is something I learned. I never used to do this, but I put a built-in in, in um, one of the bedrooms this time because I always used to look at it and go, oh, if someone wants a built-in, they'll buy a built-in. No, they won't if they're renting it. Yeah. Like that was just silly because I was thinking as a sales agent and it was, it was actually proof. It's like, Todd, people don't want that. They, they want to come and live in your house and, and they want everything to be there. So you have to think of those little things that you might not actually think of if you were to sell the property because people can add their own touches. People aren't adding their own touches when they're renting it. Mm. You have to add them for them. Yeah, that's an interesting point. I guess they, yeah, they're limited in what they can legally do, right? And they don't know what sort of landlord you are. Are you going to acquiesce to them sort of saying, oh, I would like to do X, Y, Z? I mean, in a lot of cases, I know different states are different where, you know, there's reasonable changes that they can make, but they might be in an area where you can just kind of say, no, I don't want you to do that. Yeah, yeah pretty much. I think unless you're in Victoria, we're actually recording an episode about this tomorrow, about all the, the changes in legislation that happened a few years ago in Victoria. Mm. No one seemed to talk about them, but there's there's some crazy stuff that I think um, both tenants and landlords can do that just yeah I think needs some more explanation. Yeah, I think like I was talking about it today on a on a live with the sort of the post budget wrap up, talking about some of the disincentives for investors, like with Queensland looking at changing their land tax thresholds, looking at properties out of state, and with Victoria, you know, having these kind of arduous things um, imposed on on landlords. It's 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 kind of a bit of a, um, a property investor um, exodus in some ways certainly people that have been in the market for long enough that they've got their capital growth and they're just kind of wanting to get out but that's probably another episode but definitely we should check out that one of yours on pizza and property i wanted to check before we go to sort of your couple of tips is there a magic formula for cost so let's say you're spending x on the property you should be spending x times 0.15 on the reno like do you ever sort of walk into a deal thinking like that's roughly there's a metric that i should spend on this no and i know some people get a lot of comfort with that they love it when it's like oh i don't ever spend more than three percent of the property's value in the kitchen yeah i kind of look at that the same way that like as an agent when when people sit down and go tell me what my home's worth and say so, oh what's well, approximately between x and y but realistically i don't care my job's not to tell you what it's worth i'm not a valuer my job's to get you the most I can. Yeah. And I think it's the same as a renovator. Your job's not to go, oh, bang, yes, we did the whole kitchen for 3%. Your job is to get that kitchen done for as cheap as possible. Mm. I think you might surprise yourself sometimes if you don't have those kinds of parameters and maybe you just got it done for 1.5%. But because you weren't using that as a, as a comparison, it, it wasn't weird to you. Mm. Like there, there was this guy that you and I were talking about skateboarding off, off air just before. Yeah. Bastian Celebanzi, he was one of my favorite skaters. And I think I've referenced this before once. And he apparently, like the myth goes, he grew up in this little French village and he never watched a skate video in his life. Right. And he was just doing these insane tricks, like stuff that was just like professional. He didn't know he was good. 
He was just skateboarding. He was just yeah. playing around with his board because he had no basis of comparison as what was good and what was bad. Mm. So I think sometimes if you can just go, all right, we need a kitchen. How can I just take all of these pieces apart and go, all right, well, can I get that covered for, for 10% cheaper? Yeah, I can. Great. That's a good start. All right. What about these door handles? Do they have to be $10 each? Oh, no wait, I can get them for $3 each. Well, that's amazing. Start doing that with each piece of it. And I think you'll find you'll, you'll probably do a better job than some kind of overarching rule of thumb. That makes sense. That makes perfect sense. But to be honest, I'm just happy that you sort of said that we were talking about skateboarding off air because now people are going to think I'm so cool. <laughs> it was mostly me sort of uh, trying to talk to you about the moves that I remember from, I don't know, California games or something and uh, you kind of saying pop shovets. Yeah, right. I actually, as a as a kid, um, started making this kind of like um, wax that local kids would buy from me to sort of smear on the like sewer grates. That it was, yeah. I got quite a reputation around Caves Beach, the go to like wax guy, which is basically just stealing stuff from my dad's shed, like grease and candle wax and <laughs> and mixing it all together. That's probably as cool as I got. I wasn't really a good skateboarder. I could see you being like the wax dealer. The wax dealer. The skate park, yeah. yeah. Hey, you want wax? Um, <laughs> it's getting way too weird. Todd, your top tips. Like for people, if we can do like 60 seconds on what people should and shouldn't do to be successful if they're wanting to renovate for whatever reason, to get better rent, to get a better quality of tenant, to revalue, to go again. You know, what are your go-tos to wrap this up? I don't know which question to answer first in that, especially in 60 seconds. I normally, um, I normally ask about eight questions in one go and then just people just get confused that is really kind of what geared for growth is all about and it's awful right it's it's a terrible habit okay the the best thing you can do is is just start i was analysis by paralysis for the longest time get in there and start and i think if you can get something that isn't the most expensive property okay if you can buy yourself a two million dollar property that you might be able to turn into a three that's awesome and maybe in a financial position to do that but if you are in a financial position to do that maybe start with a four hundred thousand dollar property and see if you can turn it into a six or a seven because if things go smashingly wrong well then you're not bankrupt you're not everything's not down the toilet but if things go right great leverage it go to the next one you can learn from your mistakes and you can also learn from the, the strengths but you just got to get in there and do it i love that i think that's great advice and, and, a, and a perfect bookend to this two-part series on renovating with a guru himself and obviously you've got a lot of expertise in being in the game as a real estate agent you've done a number of renovation deals yourself and you are the author of australia's home buying guide have i got that right hopefully yes yes you have yeah it's Very actually well. i can see it on your bookshelf it's actually on mine in the backdrop but i've blurred it and this is a podcast so it's useless <laughs> to be talking about. <laughs> anyway, I've had a great time and thanks for coming on and, and hope to chat to you again soon. Me too. Thanks a lot, Michael. Talk to you soon. Cheers.